Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. This episode is sponsored by GameStrat. If you're in need of a sideline replay system, go check out GameStrat. They have the fastest sideline replay system on the market. They provide 24-7 support during the season, which separates GameStrat from the rest of the competition. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. So go check out GameStrat on Twitter, at GameStrat underscore, or on the web at www.gametimesstrategy.com. We'd also like to take a moment to mention a new sponsor of the podcast this year, Just Play Solutions. I know most of our audience knows about Just Play and how they can take your game preparation to the next level. From scout cards to player quizzing to installs, Just Play provides coaches with a playbook and game planning tools to prepare faster and engage with today's athletes. Make it a priority to check out Just Play this offseason before your league opponents do. Visit www.justplaysolutions.com, sign up for a demo, and let them know we sent you. Welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Uh, we have an, uh, an exciting opportunity to talk with uh, Tim Rulo, uh, the head football coach at, at Chillicothe High School, and his wife, Ann, uh, who's also a professional counselor and a, a marriage and family therapist. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Thank you so much for having us. I think we're doing well. Well, good. Well, how about let's start it off, maybe talk about how long you guys been married and, you know, talk about, you know, together your stops along the way in coaching and you know from the beginning and then you know talk about you know your kids how many kids you got and, and all of that i got you well we just uh, celebrated our 13th year of marriage uh earlier this month so that that is awesome and uh you know uh, and we dated for five years uh before we got married and, and two of those were very intentional uh in the sense that we basically said hey we want to make sure that Anne understood kind of everything that was involved in the coaching lifestyle. And so I wanted her to be very aware of that. And so that first, those first years, I mean, heck, heck Anne was taping ankles in the locker room. She, she was helping out and just kind of uh, just seeing what that coaching lifestyle was like. Um, and then we got married and I was at uh, a big school in St. Louis, St. Charles, uh, Francis House Central. was where I was, had an opportunity to coach there. And that was our first year of marriage together. And uh, we joked that at that time there was a breakdown every week or two where she kind of was like, where are you? We, you know, I miss you. Why aren't you home kind of thing? Um, I think we mentioned that because I don't think it's common for a lot of coaching. There's a lot of coaching wives that it's the lifestyle is a surprise. For Tim to have said, hey, we're going to date for two seasons before we even get engaged. That's uncommon, right? This guy is like, overly intentional which i was 
annoyed with, but I'm glad <laughs> he did at the time. Um, but I think we mentioned that because even though I had all this preparation, right, I have this training as a therapist, like I have all these things, I still had a hard time transitioning into the lifestyle. And so he's right. I mean, there was one crying breakdown per you know, game week. And then now we're down to about one a season. So I feel like we're uh, moving in the right, Got a lot right better. direction. Got a lot better. So yeah, yeah just in it out. That's a good yeah. thing. That's right. No, so just an assistant coach there um, in uh, St. Charles and enjoy my time there. But just uh, the school is almost too big. It was about 2,300 students. I just, I just hated not being able to know enough students. And heck, I was coaching a hundred and something football players. I was, basketball coach, uh, head freshman basketball coach. I had 15 more and plus my students have 150 students. And heck, I still, there are 2000 students in the school. I didn't even know. And so from there, we, um, I really knew though that just, I loved coaching. I really was passionate about it. So I, uh, took a year off of, uh, coaching and teaching and went back and got my master's degree and actually lived on her salary for a year. And we ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a lot of rice and, uh, we moved back to mid-Missouri, um, and I volunteered uh, at a school South Callaway where I had already coached earlier on when I was single. Um, and then after a year working on the Masters, uh, they called and, and you know wanted me to come in and interview for the head job. And then at that point, you know, we'd been married for a couple of years, and and you know just really enjoyed it. Really, just took off from there, and really was blessed in South Callaway that we were able to win games and. Um, but as, as I guess I got older, I just started really having a heart for coaches. Like where I, when I was younger, I really had a heart for players. I just loved ministering to players, working with players, starting to pour into players' lives. But then after a while, I just realized, man, there's, there's this group of coaches out there that are just really – well, excuse me, most coaches I think really want the same thing. We want to influence kids. We'd like to win a few games along the way, <laughs> right? Uh, and we want to try to do it the best we can. Uh, and not at the expense of our family, right? Because I was having my friends who were either getting a divorce, right? Or getting out of coaching and because it was just too hard on their family. And I just hated seeing that. And from there, and we Ann and I had always made it a, a, a point to go to marriage retreats before the season. Oddly enough, they asked us to speak at one. Uh, and kind of that started that ball rolling. The last now they're starting to do that uh, on an annual basis. So it's it's been really good. So, I was at South Callaway for seven years as a head coach. Uh, then from there, I had an opportunity. We played a state championship. It was an amazing experience. Uh, a big school called about 30 minutes away, offered me an opportunity to go and uh, be their next head coach. And I interviewed. And after you know three rounds of interviews, got that job. And that was a learning experience. Learned a lot about uh, – just the need for a strong, awesome wife uh, in a, a turbulent area and a turbulent storm. And we won some games, but just not enough. And so from there, after uh, being dismissed last year, um, kind of uprooted my family and moved uh, two and a half hours away to Chilla Coffee and been there for a year and really enjoyed being here. And it's been a great experience. So third, third head coaching stop along the way. Been doing it now, I think, 11 years I've been a head coach. So, and, uh, so it's been great. And we have two kids. Yeah, we have two children. Very good. <laughs> yeah, last. We have two children. Caleb uh, is uh, seven and Charlotte is four. So uh, excited for them, just watching them grow now and just really become part of the coaching family, right? And that's been an awesome experience. Now, is, uh, is Chillicothe, um, is it a smaller 
town compared to the one you were in, or is it comparable? I'm just so it is. It is similar. So like South Callaway uh, was right around like 250 to 300 students. Okay. Uh, Helias, the school that I was in, was a private school. It was a private uh, Catholic school. The student population was right around 700. They played in a classification class four Missouri. So South Callaway was class two. Elias was class four. Chillicothe is right around 500, 550. And so it's class three in Missouri officially out of six classes. So that kind of gives you an idea. So from a, from a town uh, perspective, it's, I would think, pretty good for the kids to grow up in, right? Small. Is, yeah, we, we've got about 9,000 uh, people in the town. It, the thing about Chillicothe that's, that, again, I think we were really touched by just the intentionality of the town. I mean, the town loves football. Um, I mean, just – they, they love families. They love families. They love kids. Yeah, they, they do an amazing job. I mean, everything is. I mean, it truly is. I, I joke, uh, and and very all honesty, it's, just, it's this little little town of Texas in, you know, uh, northwest Missouri. I mean, it, it's a shut down on Friday nights to go watch the football team play. Right. I mean, you're talking. We'll get, you know, two, three thousand people come to our games, kind of thing. I mean, the parades that they have for homecoming and the the Christmas parades and the Christmas lights and it's the home of sliced bread. I, I know that sounds crazy, but it is officially the home of sliced bread. <laughs> there actually is now legislation been passed for that. We have a sliced bread parade. Like it's, there you go. it's crazy. Like it's <laughs> awesome. I mean, it, it's just an amazing little place that I never heard of, to be honest. I never heard of the place, but now, uh, now I know where it is, and it's it's an awesome place. That's a show me state. Show me. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> and I, I I had to go. I had to see it. I actually got to see the sliced bread machine. So it was awesome. It was great. Oh man, that's awesome! Oh, um, all right. This question is going to be for Miss Ann. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Talk about the commitment it takes to your family, husband, the coaches, their families, the student athletes, finding balance. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. I'm a trained therapist. I'm on. I'm on point here. Um, you know what's interesting is. A lot of us talk about balance and you know for a long time I overemphasized our our difficulties as a coaching family I kind of over unique us. I said oh you know this is we're having this difficulty because of coaching we're having this communication difficulties because of coaching we can't find family life balance because of coaching and the reality is coaching is a very unique thing and it does have some unique stressors but all families struggle with that stuff right and so we have to not point everything at coaching because then it puts all the stress on coaching, right? And it makes us bitter towards the life and the career and our husbands. It puts unfair uh, stress on us. And so I think I've actually taken the word balance out of our vocabulary as a family. We operate in seasons. And so we find ourselves in places where right now, I mean, we're hitting it, right? Like next week is camp other than one state regulated debt period we're in it until let's hope november right december for you crazy southern folks because you <laughs> um and that means he's not going to be as available and so i take on more of the burden and when he's not in season he takes on more and so we just kind of play this give and take and i think one of the things that's been really different for me in terms of my mindset towards coaching is that instead of feeling like a victim of coaching, like the coaching life is happening to me, this is happening to me, that kind of thing, I'm going to happen to coaching, 
right? I'm going to take control of this thing. I am going to surround myself with people who are going to support me and love me. I'm going to set up my schedule in such a way that I'm not sitting there at six o'clock on a Wednesday evening feeling as though I have no choice in the matter. Instead, I'm going to find me a coach's wife or I'm going to portray it to my children that, Hey, this is your special time with mom or Hey, we're going to pack a lunch or pack a dinner and we're going to go see dad at the locker room. Now, like I said, it's still hard. I mean, it is brutal, but it's not single parent. Sometimes we talk about it in that way, but it's not. He still comes home to my house every night. It may only be for two hours, but he's there, right? Um, and so I think that's, that's one of the things is that it does take a huge commitment, but our mindset towards it is a huge part of what can help. And our being proactive in getting ourselves surrounded with support is a huge thing. And when you're new to a community, that can be really brutal, especially if you don't have any connections there. And so I think the thing that's really helped our marriage in coaching is that I have never felt as though you were intentionally leaving me out to handle myself, right? When he can be available, he is available. And so, I mean, I've, I've managed to complete master's degrees. I've managed to pursue the career goals that I wanted to. I've managed to step into this writing thing and he's been super supportive of that. And so I think the fact that it feels, we want to use the word balance. It feels balanced overall helps, but it does go in seasons. And so I know that I'm about right now to head into it, right? Like I, this is going to be my grind time. This is both of us. This is our grind time. And we know that we get our time back later and you just kind of have to buckle down and this is just part of it. Yeah, that's interesting. My, my wife and I are both teachers. I coach as well. So she's always been a part of the grind like you're talking about, but then also to be a teacher, it's kind of like she, she's kind of a newer teacher. She's you know been teaching for you know probably five years or less. So uh-huh. it's, it's kind of like um, I, I've always told her kind of like you. It's like uh, you, it's the grind, but then when you get to like uh, Christmas break or you get to the summer, that's kind of like when yeah. you get to be yourself. You know what I mean? Yep. The pressure's off, yep. and uh, you know you can spend spend more time with each other and, and the kids and be more intentional and. That's what I love about it too, though. You know what I mean? Because yep. I can just exactly right. relax and be myself. And, you know, uh, that just made me think about those kind of things while you were talking there. I love it. That was a great answer. Well, and I, you know, you mentioned just how the season works for our families. I think this kind of life, like we worry about our kids, right? Like this is a lot of sacrifice for our kids. Dad's not around, that kind of stuff. And again, it's the way you frame it. Like, if I'm talking to my kids, this is terrible, dad's not around, I'm awful. Like, yes, I say I miss dad. Yes, I support that they miss dad. But if I don't talk about, hey, this is our mission as our family, if I don't portray the positive parts of it, then they're missing that, right? Yeah. And the reality is everybody's life goes in seasons. Even if you're not a coaching family, like, everybody has seasons of their life where stuff just sucks for a while, you know? And I feel like that's something that we are really gifting. Like I want the coaching life to feel like a gift to our children rather than a burden, although it is hard sometimes, but to speak, speak it as a gift to them so that they can be like, Hey, when they're in college and they're in the middle of a semester and they're in the middle of the grind, they can be like, I've done this. I know what it looks like to have late nights and to work hard. 
I remember when we had to do that as a kid, I remember seeing mom and dad do that. And then I know there's rest period on the other side of it. Like I'm hoping that these are positive life gifts to our kids. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, that's a great way to frame it. I really think that's great. Um, uh, so let's flip over to Tim because, you know, as a head coach, um, like your wife said, you, you've got to be able to handle your staff with regards to being mindful to their families, just like you're trying to be mindful to yours. But you also got to put the work in to be successful, right? I mean, you know, it's like we said, you, you want to win a few games, right? So yeah. like like weekends, things like that. I, mean, I think most people that listen to this podcast know the, the Monday to Friday or, you know, Monday to Thursday with Friday game day. But like, how do you handle weekends? Um, you know, how do you do those things? I think the biggest thing is just um, the first thing I think that's important is I, I try to spend more time with my coaches trying to evaluate them and meet with them one-on-one -on -one. I, as I just went through different staffs. And you know, one of the questions I ask is, hey, what do you think about our summer schedule, right? Is there things I can do to help you with your family time, right? Because, again, depending on your coach, I mean, you have coaches that have little ones. It's not, it's not the same as if you have a coaches who have either in junior high or high school and they're trying to truck their kids around – volleyball games or softball games or other basketball games or whatever. And so, you know, meeting with those coaches and saying, hey, like, what can I do to help? And that was one thing I know I did this year. They wanted to do a lot of stuff in June. You know, so we, did, we just went in. We were really mindful of that. Um, for my first summer at Chillicothe, my second, we just did less stuff in June. Um, you know, knowing that, hey, you know, the things are ratcheting more in July, you know, there's going to be an understanding you're going to be around more. And so I think that's just meeting and talking with them. I think the other thing in season specifically, um, one, and something Ann has always been really big on pressing on me is you have to take a Sabbath, right? There has to be a way that you're going to take time away, and you need to provide that also to your coaches. So um, whatever that Sabbath looks like, right, but you need some time away. And so early on, it used to be, hey, we would come in Saturday morning, and we would have practice, but then at noon on Saturday, so basically 4 to 5 p.m. on Sunday, we just told the coaches to get away, right? Get away, spend time with your family, do whatever you need to do. You know, and, and then things have changed. Right? With Huddle, things have definitely changed. With things like Google Drive, things have definitely changed. You I mean, you can do so much stuff online now. And, and at Chilla Coffee, um, we just have gone with kind of their plan where we don't even practice on Saturday. We don't bring the players in until – we bring the players in for an hour and a half on Sunday. And so the coaches come in at like uh, 4 o'clock, and we meet for – an hour and a half, and then the players come in at 5.30, players get done at 7, and then the coaching staff meets for another hour after that. So from about 4 to like 8 is all we ask the coaches to do on Sunday, and the players come in for an hour and a half of that to, you know, look at a little bit of film. Um, but that's that's it. And so we, we try. I mean, again, it could always be better. We, we wouldn't even have to meet, but we just we're not to that point quite yet, I don't think, as a staff where I could say, hey, we're just all going to do it on Google Drive, or hey, we're all going to do it on Huddle. Because, you know, again, that, you just have staffs that are off from different spots and just their own capabilities, what they're comfortable with, et cetera. But at this point, um, I definitely have changed, right? Over my 11 years of being a head coach, I'm definitely – we do less on the weekends, you know. Um, and, again, also with Huddle, I mean, you can watch film now. You can put notes on it and share it to the kids. I mean, there's just so many other things that using technology to your advantage can help. But, again, I, in the end, we want to make sure – those coaches feel like we're trying to at least help them spend time with their family, you know, and I, I think, you know, every year we're trying to improve. And again, we meet with those coaches to try to talk about it, but um, we always want to make sure that they don't feel like they're 
totally, you know, neglecting their family uh, during the season or, or even in the summer. I'm going to tell you what. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to make a comment real quick about the Google Drive. That is money right there, boy. <laughs> On our Telegram, uh, Coach suggested the, 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 the Google Drive, and I'm like, what are you talking about? So he explained it. And we implemented it on our team, and oh my God, it's that's that's awesome! What a resource that is to have access. All your coaches have access to the drive, and uh, you put your practice plans on there and other resources. And no matter where you're at, if it's on your phone or on a on a computer, you can everybody can access and live update it. You know, it updates as you go. It's just a a great tool uh, that I really appreciate you sharing with us. That, that's a, that's awesome. Yeah, to me, and again, we we got into that about about seven years ago and we just had never looked back. And I, I mean, now everything we, we put everything, I mean, every script is on there. Every, every scouting report is on there. I mean, we do use so much stuff on there now that, I mean, it just, it's so, so helpful. You know, and again, you got to catch up to speed. Some coaches aren't familiar with it, but you know, coaches become more comfortable with it. I mean, just, just it frees you up so much. Cause you're right. I mean, you don't, you just don't have to do as much just pencil and paper stuff and everything else. And I mean, you can use your phone and it's very helpful. Go ahead, Anna. We cut you off. I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah, no, the, uh, the only thing I was going to share is that I feel like it really helps that from the top down, Tim shows that family is a priority. Like, we're always welcome at practice. He tells his coaches, your families are welcome at practice, right? Like, my kids are out there. And so that makes it an open door for his coaches to have conversation about family rather than feeling like that's not – an option. And so, I mean, any, any staff that can open it up to, Hey, this is a priority for us. Like we're a better staff when stuff's better at home. Like if that is part of the, the, the culture of coaching staff, it's better for everybody. No, I agree that a lot. I get so upset when, when, when people, uh, you know, say family at the end to break it down, like, like it's a big part of their program, but at the end of the day, it's not, you know, it drives yeah. me nuts. You know, I, I, but I love my son ever since he was a little boy. He would come to practice and, you know, be our ball boy. Just kind of grew up in that atmosphere. You know, all the coaches were like his uncles. That's good stuff, you know. Good stuff. Uh, my my wife, she used to sit with um, uh, the coach's wives on Friday night. Yeah. And that was some good camaraderie and stuff like that. Uh uh, that she, you know, really helped her uh, develop some relationships with some of the ladies and things like that, and, and that's very, that was that was very important to her, you know. Yeah. But uh, we got another question for you. Here we go. I know you guys have done uh, husband and wife retreats for yourself to recharge, but also to help other families. Talk about uh, what those are like and where you could uh, where could other coaching families find places to go like that. Yeah. Speaking of, my four-year-old's calling. I'll be right back. I'll let Tim. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, we – Go ahead. We in uh, – yeah, before we got married, we, there was – we heard about a, a coaching marriage retreat in Branson, Missouri. Um, and I remember uh, we were engaged at the time. We went down there to that. And it was just like a one day. And we just were like, man, this is, this is really important. And we, this is something we really wanted to do or just go to every year. We just felt it was really important to reconnect. And so early on, um, it was an organization called uh, Coaches Timeout, uh, CTO. And they they kind of partnered with a professional a athletes outreach, uh, and they did them. And uh, we went to them in St. Louis, and that was that was great, and we really enjoyed that. 
And then um, FCA, you know, Fellowship of Christian Athletes kind of took on uh, doing these in Missouri. And they would be held in like Columbia or down at the Lake of the Ozarks or wherever. And so we would go to those. And we just, um, one, one weekend we were there and uh, we had gotten to know kind of the people who were running it. And they came to us and said, hey, our speaker has to leave on Sunday. Would you and Ann be willing to do this? And we said, well, yeah. And I remember Ann asking, Scott was the guy, said, he's like, Scott, do you know what, you know, do you know what I do for a living? And Scott was like, no. And, and Ann was like, well, I'm, I'm a you know, professional counselor. I'm a marriage and family therapist. And, and he's like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, that'd be great. And she's like, yeah. And, and we, we did the presentation on Sunday and uh, gosh, praise the Lord. Everyone loved it. They, they laughed. They thought it was really funny and they loved it. And I think just because we were really transparent and just really honest about where we were in our marriage and, and coaching. And from there on, uh, different organizations, uh, FCA specifically, kind of asked us in different regions. So we've done them in Kansas City. We've done them in Illinois. Um, St. We've done another one in St. Louis. They just asked us to come. And so every year, we've done at least one, sometimes more than one. But we just do them, and um, it's been really good. It's been a real blessing to pour out to other coaches. Because, again, like coaching and, and coaching and marriage is challenging. And we, again, want to help support those coaches. And hopefully by us being very transparent and vulnerable um, with kind of how the things we've dealt with, struggled with, worked through, continue to work through, we can allow other coaches to have great conversations with their spouses about what they're going through. And, uh, and it's, it's been really good. So, you know, we, we're always looking to do more of them. So if you want to fly us out to Florida or Virginia, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll be more than happy to come help. But, uh, no, it's been really good. We've, we've really enjoyed it. And normally it is through FCA type uh, ministry there. Um, but there are other organizations out there. There's um, so Coaches Outreach. Coaches Outreach does some great ones. FCA does some great ones. And Coaches Time Out, all three of those organizations are ones that we've actually been to. We can vouch for what it actually uh is and then you know we just after we've been to several we just realized that with my professional training with marriage and family therapy and then us actually living this life like we're really doing the thing that it was a unique perspective to bring to people because it, it, it is an odd lifestyle you know i know that there's lots of coaches wives who find themselves in awkward conversations with in-laws or friends or whoever that say, I don't understand, why can't you come hang out on Saturday? And we're like, well, it's October, not available in October. And people right. don't, they don't get that, right? Like yeah. they don't get the life. Um, and so it's, it's helpful to be in a room full of your people, your people who get uh, just the, the nuances of this life that are different from everything else. A good point. I never thought about it like that. I always, I always think like my father-in-law thinks I'm the laziest husband in the world during that time of the year. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I come home and he's got like something that was broken, fixed already. I'm like, why didn't you? you what are you doing? You know? Well, you got football. You know? You know? Come on now. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No, you're exactly right. Again, and that's the thing. I think just being around your people, yeah. like being around people who understand it and get it, and again, for spouses be around those people too, I think allows again for um, just a sense of understanding, right? There's just, they get it and kind of, kind of breathe a little easier. They can share stuff, but yes, I go through that too. And, and so I think it provides a little healing, honestly, it really does. Cause you can just be like, man, we're, I'm not alone. 
because I think a lot of times that I can only imagine but Anne can feel really isolated, right? Because again, they're just there's certain people you can't sit with in the stands, right? There's certain certain places you can't go sometimes after a loss on a Friday. Uh, you know, there's just it's tough. You feel really isolated, and so you know, again, going to these retreats and we try to do them before the season starts to kind of build us up, right? To kind of fill us up because again, we know it's going to be a, a long season in the sense of just pouring out, pouring out, and and dealing with a lot of things. And so they've been really beneficial for us and, and Lord willing, they've been really beneficial for uh, the couples we've been able to pour into. So, Ann, I'm curious, um, do you guys use some of these retreats to help you connect with the other wives on your current staffs or past staffs, or do you do other things? So that's been a really interesting thing. So our very first coaching staff that we were ever a part of um, for any length of time. And the, the one, the one year in St. Charles is kind of different because um, we were newly married. And I didn't really know anybody there, but the one that we were at for seven years was really unique. So all the other coaches wives were about my age, about my same life, life stage. And so we kind of had our little try, right? Like we had, we sat together, we spent time outside of the season together. We went on trips together and I've really grown as a coach's wife since we've moved from that place because we went to another place and I was like, oh, like I would have probably been friends with those women anyhow. They just happened to be coaches' wives, so it created this sort of instant connection. Um, right. And that's not the case everywhere. The next place we went to, I connected with some of the wives, didn't connect with some of the others, right? And then this final, this place, we're hoping final, final, we would love to sit right here. Um, <laughs> You can hear my panic about moving. Uh, <laughs> this place that we've come to, coaches' wives, they um, they kind of go across the spectrum in terms of their life stage. So I've got a couple that are in my life stage, and you know we end up kind of being around each other because all of us are trying to keep our kids from running out the back gate or whatever, right? We're the ones with littles. But I've also got coaches' wives. I mean, we've got one. She's an administrator. Like, she has duties on Friday night. She's not available to hang out. We've got another one that is in charge of the band. Girl is busy, you know? Like, and it's just interesting. I think I had a picture of what I wanted for coaches' wives because I was like, oh, I want to, I'm the head coach's wife, right? Like, I have a job here. Like, I'm supposed to create community. I'm supposed to take care of these women. I'm supposed to whatever. And I've gotten some places and these women are like, no, I'm cool. I don't need you to do that for me, right? And so, and I think that's women's friendships in general. Um, women have a lot of expectations and a lot of expectations on one another at times. And so, um, actually, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll plug a resource. There is a Facebook group. Uh, it's also a website. It's called Friday Night Wives, put together by a woman named Jordan Harold. She is a coach of life in Texas. And it is an incredible online community of all coaches' wives, largely football coaches' wives, but there's lots of other sports too, but that's where it stemmed out of. And I write for them, and I wrote uh, a poem fairly recently, just in the last couple of months, called um, Profile of a Coach's Wife. And, like, and it just basically goes through, like, you got loud ones and quiet ones and ones that are there and ones that aren't and ones that are organized and ones that cook and ones that order dominoes and ones that, you know, like we're all over the place and we have to be cool with that. Like we have to be cool with whatever that wife needs to do to maintain her sanity, nurture her family and support her coach. That's gotta be okay. 
Like it cannot fit all one form. And I think that's the biggest thing is that's the best way we can support each other as coaches wives is you girl, you do you and let me know if I can help. And that's where we've kind of landed. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like how we are here. Um, you know, we've got a broad spectrum of ages and, um, and so we've kind of, you know, the, the girls kind of do the thing, you know, like there's no, there's no pressure to have to, to be around each other at, at certain yeah. times. They don't want, you know, if they want to be, because, you know, like you said, I mean, you got kids your age, I got kids my age, Tony's got kids, and you're all running around, right? So, you know, you may not be able to do something all together at some point yeah. during the season. So, um, yeah, it's interesting you say that, because that's kind of like how it is here for us. So. Yeah, the ladies here, they have a special chant they do on Friday nights in the stands. They say, throw the ball. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you sure that's their voices? Yeah, no, your voice no, is that. Because no. <laughs> we have that same chant here. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure my wife's like, there was this guy, and he kept screaming, throw the ball the whole game. <laughs> And you said that's just the flex phone, dear. That's what yeah, yeah. It goes, it goes good. with the territory. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's a that's a good transition, man. So uh, you know, Tim, talk about what uh, uh, Chillicothe option looks like, man. What 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 does it look like? What what are you guys doing? Uh, I mean, it's a work in progress. I mean, how about that? So um, no, you know, option football is is something that I've. Uh, grown to love and you know it's not something I started off with you know I I always joke with people I learned about the option first when I was in at France South Central I was blessed uh, three coaches I got to kind of work for uh, Todd Burke uh, Jim Greco and Mike Manley uh, all three guys still coaching but had just know, knew a lot more football and in new option football and I kind of learned from them and then just when I became a head coach so I just I literally I always joke I sat down in a room with two other guys before a lot of social media and being able to look a lot of things up on the internet. And we just kind of figured out our own rules, right? I knew I used to be a spread guy, but I just hated how teams would man us up, bring a lot of pressure. And I was unable to run the football. Um, it just created a lot of problems. Uh, and so, you know, I wanted some kind of downhill running game. I saw Georgia Tech, Navy, Army, Air Force. I liked what they did. Especially undersized linemen. South Callaway had undersized linemen. And so – just were like okay, you know, we just and we just made up rules, and, and so we made up rules, and it um, it was kind of our own rules that we made up, and it kind of manifested itself, and we grew and adapted it, and changed it some, and and really from there, I mean, yeah, we were able to be really successful, and it wasn't until actually I went when I went to Helias that I really started studying like just a little bit a different philosophy. I got to uh, work with a guy named Josh Varner who had had a chance to work out at the Merch Marines. Uh, I spent a lot of time with the Naval Academy out in New York. And, and so being out there and, and being around those programs, he kind of said, hey, I'm going to coach. He was going to be my old line coach. He's like, I'd rather use these rules. And I was like, okay, I, I could like those. Started really then studying more Harding stuff and Kenny Wheaton and just learning how to tag things a little bit from there. Um, but, again, I mean, there's still – like when I teach certain plays, I still use some stuff I learned from Jerry Campbell at Laser Clinics back in – thousands you know what I mean when I'm talking about circle the wagons and stuff so like it's just kind of a my own compilation of different things and you know chili coffee the, the amazing thing that I, I not many programs in this in the United States can say is that 
I'm only the third coach they've ever had since 1963. Oh, wow. Um, and so, and they, and again, I've only been there. I was on my second year. So you can see that before me, the two coaches have been there. Um, Bob Fairchild, who is a national Hall of Fame coach, who brought the full house team, and they ran the full house team from 1963 to 2017. Uh, they ran the exact same offense. Um, Chillicothe football has been around for literally over 110 years. Um, it is super impressive, the history of the five NFL players come out of Chillicothe. Um, probably the most famous would be like a Jeff Merritt who played for the New England Patriots. Um, and so uh, it just amazing, you know, and, and so when I came here, and that was one of the things I really loved because they were such a physical running team, right? And so I didn't feel like I was going to have to change too much. I even thought about running the option from more that uh, full house T look, right? More like, you know, you've seen the Citadel do some, you've seen some teams do, um, and uh, like Kerry Grove. You know, I think yeah, yeah, Kerry Grove. Yeah. yeah. And so I looked at that, but it just wasn't something I didn't, and so I even kept their numbering system, how they used to number plays. They have kind of a unique numbering system of how they numbered plays and their gaps and stuff. But after, after a year, I was just like, you know what, I, we need to kind of make this our own. So I, what I did is this year I did it, or this place I did it very different. I started in the junior high. So last year I implemented my no huddle kind of system that I've carried with me um, that I've just learned and adapted from other great coaches and kind of started that in the junior high. And so now we're implementing it at the high school, but all my freshmen already know it. And so it's kind of fun. We're kind of, I backed it in that way. And, and again, we're, we still, still want to try to figure out how to ways to possibly throw the ball, you know, and do that. But I mean, it's, it's, it's good option football, you know, and now it's learning from different guys, whether it be on telegram or going to Harding or I've uh, been, uh, gosh, um, you know, William Penn went up and visited there a couple of times, you know, just trying to visit different coaches and learn and adapt and, just try to get better, but uh, it's it's fun. It's good football. I think it allows you to be successful. And uh, once you can get – just kind of get that mesh going and you can take care of the football, I think it can be really successful and great great high school football. Yeah, we Are saw you, you, we you, saw you in college. What was that? Go ahead, Tony. I was going to say, we saw you in Dallas too. Yep. Yeah, yep. So I've been to Dallas, and that, that was a lot of fun. We went to UConn the year before. Um, and that just – again, it – you know, it's funny how, again, your heart changes because I just – I love trying to help other coaches, you know, and I love I love what you guys do, and I, I just can't be on Telegram as much as some of you guys. I don't know how, you know, you and Don and some of those guys are on there all the time. Tony, you're blowing me away. But, you know, I I, uh, I just love seeing that because, again, we, we went up to Indianapolis Glacier Clinic and, uh, you know, for the Flexbone one that they had, and it was neat. We literally contacted coaches, and, and we had just a little roundtable of literally 15 – option football coaches from around the United States just sat in the room, our own separate little room and hung out and talked option football for an hour and a half. And it was, it was awesome. And it just, it's so neat that there really is a fraternity of guys that are willing to help give insight feedback that think the same way. And again, just kind of like we talked about you know, coaches and their spouses that you just need that, that common group of people. I think the flex bone is, is the same way, you know, and it, it's not that, you know, the spread sucks or, you know, you know, we don't like throwing the ball or anything like that. It's more just an understanding what what are the fundamental truths about football that we like. I mean, we like physical, aggressive football. We like, you know, speeding the game up. We like being able to control things, keeping the other team's offense off the field, uh, et cetera. And, and, again, I just love the team aspect and the family aspect of everyone having to depend on one another to do their job that I really love and makes the option, I think, 
a blast to run at the high school level and teach teach a lot of life lessons as well. Hey, um, are you guys using a tight end or over tackle? We do use an over tackle. Um, we do also, so they were big time double tight, right? So um, now we didn't per se, we have some guys that kind of are a tight end. I think the tight end, and this is my personal opinion, is a hard position to coach. You either have to have a tight end coach, right? Or you're going to have to spend some time where he's going to go with the old lineman or he's going to go with the wide receivers and just how do you dictate how that guy or that position is going to be coached. I think that can be really challenging. And I didn't have, you know, I'm still working on developing my own staff here. Um, you know, so, you know, I've got a spot open if anyone wants to come to Chili Coffee and, and come coach with me. But uh, the idea is just trying to figure out how to get, how to coach up that position. So I, I normally tend more to go to the over tackle set. I think that's a little easier, but we do come down to do a tight end, especially if I can dictate uh, defensive front, right? If I can get a team to give me a more designated three, I don't know about you guys, but um, from literally the state championship game that I coached in in 2014 until now, I've seen more and more twos and fours, right? I see more and more head-up techniques in the even front, um, which isn't bad, but again, it, it, it is – Challenges your double teams a little bit. Challenges that guard on his base block. Is that guy going to slant on me, etc.? Um, and so I think now, or or even zeros and fours, if it's not in front. But now by adding a tight end or adding a third lineman, they typically are going to shift, right? They're typically not going to just hang on a two and a four. They're going to get a three and a five, right? Or he's going to be in a you know a six I seven, whatever you want to call that. And so I think I do like doing that, just especially if I want to maybe run midline a little bit better, or if I want to do a couple different things off that. It definitely helps dictate what the defensive front's going to do. Well, that's good stuff. All right, um, we got this question here for both of you guys. It says, uh, "Talk about how uh, you both make connections to the community uh, you now live in." You guys might have spoke on that earlier a little bit. Um, no, Ann is actually—I mean, she's done an amazing job. Um, when we when we had an opportunity to look for a job, um, you know, we were, we were really blessed. You know, we, there were, there were some schools that we went around and looked to looked at and I was able to contact uh, the athletic directors, superintendents, and just kind of say, Hey, I was interested in, and they, uh, they knew us enough, I guess. And were really nice enough to let us go and uh, kind of give us the tour of the facilities, a tour of the town, et cetera. And um, so we, we had, had some options, but I think the reason why uh, Chillicothe really, one, one of the reasons we really like Chillicothe, besides the running game and just the way they did things previously, was the fact that Ann already knew um, some community members up there. Uh, we had known uh, a couple couples from our marriage retreat that we had spoken at, right? So we actually already knew the head basketball coach and his wife from a marriage retreat we spoke at. Uh, and so we Ann then did a great job going right into that and with his wives um, and other community members and, and really pouring into them and then. Uh, again, that really helped out. We got involved in our church, on a church that we really liked, got involved with that, actually spoke at the church uh, and did a kind of a date night, uh, Marriage 101 for our church, which was really fun. That was a blast to just be able to speak to the parishioners and their spouses about that. Uh, that was that was a lot of a fun way to do that. And then just got involved in community groups and different things. So, uh, But a lot of the credit goes to Ann and just her connecting with different uh, different ladies in the community and just allow us to kind of get to know people through that. I think the thing that I'll share um, that a lot of people find surprising because 
we speak. I'm sitting here talking to you all right now, and I'm a head coach's wife in a small town and all those things, because I'm an extreme introvert. And so it is not my nature to be in a huge pile of people. Like if, if you want to find me on a Friday night, I'm standing stock still on the 30 yard line in the visitor section, not saying a word, like all the stimulation, all the people, all the things. And there's a lot of coaches wives like me either because they are introverted. Um, cause a lot of introverts end up with extroverts, right? And coaches a lot of times are like all out there in the world, right? They got all the energy and all the people and all the connections. And so there's a lot of wives like me, um, that are either that way because they're introverted or because it's, uh, a really uncomfortable thing to be making connections with people and wondering why are you being nice to me? What do you really think of me? Yeah. Is our friendship going to change if my husband doesn't play your kid? Right? Because these things were very real. And yeah. so, you know, I mentioned that website, Friday Night Wives. We've not gotten to this stage in our lives yet, um, but I'm sure the day will come where our kids aren't playing yet. Our kids aren't old enough yet. But I watch these coaches' wives whose sons are now in high school. They lose friendships, right? These women that they've been raising their kids with and going to travel league games with that kind of thing and their friendships change. And so that's just, it's, it's an awkward thing to live in a fishbowl. And at the same time, our job is to serve our communities. And so we just have to do our level best to be discerning about who the sharks are in the water and then know that there's a lot of great people too and try just to, to figure out who the friendlies are, connect with people who you, really believe whose loyalties are changing have people in the in the world and out right like I've had I've, I have dear friends that are that are coaches wives then I got some folks that that don't have anything to do with the coaching world so that I can just escape it as well um, but you just you just have to step out of your comfort zone a lot and then also take really good care of yourself you know I mean that's part I, honestly as I tell you about myself being in a game that's part of me taking care of myself in a game Right. most of all four quarters I'm standing by myself and then I will force myself at halftime, go shake a hand or two, go love on somebody's babies, go talk to somebody. If the game's not going well, make sure I find a friendly, you know what I'm saying? Like it is, a, it is an awkward, an awkward thing, especially for, and if you're going into a community where you don't know a soul, which we've done that too, just stepping out and you have to figure out, Everywhere you go, you have to figure out what the community culture is here. Like we weren't members of the YMCA for the first like four months we were here and I was missing out on a ton of stuff because that's where everybody went, right? That's a, that's a communication hub and a hangout hub in our town. And that was an intentional choice on our part. Like, yes, I love going to the Y. Yes, I love working out. But it was because I needed to see people and people needed to see us. And that's part of us being in a church. That's part of us being in a community event like Coaching is not just coaching. Coaching is a service to a community. And so you have to figure out the ways to be at the places to serve the people that you're there for. Uh, that's great. All right. Here we move, moving on. we got a couple more for you guys. Okay. Let's go. Uh, Tim, I know you're big into building culture. Uh, I, we, we listened to a podcast um, that you guys did. Um, RTP or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah, guys did a podcast, and you were talking about how uh, you love co- uh, all things culture, right? And uh, I was wondering, what is something recent that you're doing with your team to help build a winning culture? And uh, on a Telegram, a little side note, um, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, do you have like a specific way that you make your kids earn their way into the locker room or earn a single-digit number, things like that? Yeah, no, I I would agree. I think, well, and I think we'd all agree, right? Culture is the new buzzword, right? I, I, there's probably a word I haven't heard more in the last, you know, five, six years than culture, right? It, it seems to be this big thing, you know, kind of feel like started you. off with <laughs> Urban Meyer, right? Urban Meyer, you know, this above the line. That was kind of a first book. I feel that really touched on culture. And, you know, you have the Tim and Brian Kite Focus 3 stuff. And, I mean, just this idea of culture, 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 culture. And I, I totally get it. I I think it's. A, I do think it's a big thing. I think trying to figure it out. Um, one of the things now, though, that I think we've been in places, and and uh, I haven't I haven't spoken on it yet. Though I, I'm going to try one. You know, one of these years, I guess if I win enough games and they ask me to speak somewhere, but we're gonna we have a, a topic basically called it's going to be sacred cows and sacred spaces. The things you have to learn as you go to a new place on what what is already the culture that's there and how to how to navigate around that because I think that's the thing I've learned is. I can have my own ideas on what I want to do with culture, right? I can have my thoughts, but the trick is, as I go to a place, what are their sacred cows already there, right? What are things that you can't touch? And at Chili Coffee, I mean, they've been doing the same stuff since 1963, right? So there are definitely some sacred cows and some sacred space that I can't touch. And that's something I didn't maybe, honestly, account for enough at, at Helias, because they also had some great tradition some great ingrained culture already that was there. And I just, I did a poor job of accounting for that. I came in and said, Hey man, these are my ideas on culture that had worked for me. And at, a, at the previous stop, and I think a lot of those people are like, why are you just trying to change? Anything? You know? And, and I think, so you got to be really mindful. And maybe it's different in college. Maybe a college coach can do that, right? They can just come in and say, Hey, you know, it, it's a blank slate. We're going to row the boat or we're going to, you know, do whatever, but I, I, at a high school level, I think you have to be a little bit more mindful of that. You just can't go and do that um, in, in all in the sake of culture, right, and in this name of culture and just go and change everything. So I think you have to be smart with that. I think there's just uh, some things you got to think through on that when you're doing that. So all that being said, biggest thing I did this offseason is I met with my coaching staff. My coaching staff has former Chillicothe players, et cetera, and I just really challenged them to come up with what are what are the core values, what are the things that Chillicothe football is always been about, right? And we did. We spent all offseason. I met with my coaching staff about once a month in the offseason and really just kind of hammered out what are the three things that Chillicothe football has always been about, right? And it, 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 three things we finally came up with the three teams, togetherness, toughness, and tradition. They're always been about being together. It's always about – being together, being a family, being a brotherhood, being the Hornets, it's always been tough. They've always had just this physical style, punch you in the mouth, figure out 30 different ways to run power out of the full house tee and then run trap. And then, uh, and then finally, just tradition. The tradition of the sea, you got to respect the sea. I mean, if you saw our stadium, there's a ginormous sea in the one uh, end zone, in the north end zone. Like, you just got to respect the sea. And so those are the three things. Now from there, um, we literally, at every day of practice, we talk about one of those. We're just, we're very starting very small. We're just talking about each one. And normally we have camp in three-day sets. We normally go like 
this week will go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? And so each day, guess what? We're going to talk about togetherness. We're going to talk about toughness. We're going to talk about tradition. And I have a player talk about it at each at the water break. So we have a water break where we switch kind of offense to defense. I always have one player talk about each one. And then I have some kind of spotlighting of it at the end of practice, right, where I'm going to have a coach. Coaches are going to spotlight guys, or I have senior spotlight guys, or I might have anyone spotlight guys. It doesn't matter. But I'm just going to really try what I would call almost a grassroots approach to trying to figure that out. Once we've got that kind of branded, we're going to get wristbands made up for our guys uh, and different things that we'll do. Uh, and then we're going to start really branding out our locker room. That's kind of my next big goal. We're going to get all that plastered up, just those three words. Plus, again, if you can imagine 110 years of football, there is an amazing collection of pictures and different things. And kind of like maybe if you've gone into an Applebee's and you see how they have like just murals of pictures and sports pictures, we're going to do that across our entire locker room, all 110 years worth of football. And then we're going to have all uh, – they won five state championships here and had, a, I think, a combined total. I think it's 13 uh, semifinalists for state champion. We're going to have all of their pictures up on the one wall that's, that's tradition. Uh, and then we're just going to kind of talk through that. And then another idea that I took from another podcast is we're going to have a, a locker designated to the history of the program. Uh, and so again, if you ever, ever just want to be blown away by a website, go to chshornets.com, chshornets.com. A gentleman by the name of Randy Dean has done an amazing job cataloging all of the history of Chillicothe sports, but specifically football like every stat, every picture of every team, all the way back to the beginning. I mean, just amazing, amazing collection of history. Uh, and what we're going to do is I'm going to talk with Randy eventually uh, about where we have one locker where basically every couple of weeks we just have a different decade we're going to recognize, right? You know, the 1940s, the 1950s team. See if I can find an old helmet, maybe an old jersey, just pictures and just kind of decorate that up and really just try to celebrate the, tra the tradition of the program. So – Again, I, where it used to be, I was going to kind of create the culture in my own image or what I thought. Um, I've actually realized it's more what is the awesome things that we want to bring out of what that program already has, if that's the case. I mean, you might be at a school that's brand new, right? And then you kind of can create it in your own image. But I think, again, what I've learned is you really need to be mindful and recognize the sacred cows and sacred spaces that are already there as you're going to a place and recognizing that. Because if you just try to go in and steamroll it, Unless you just start winning state championships right away, uh, you're going to run into a lot of problems. A lot of people are going to feel really disrespected by what you're doing. And I, and I fell prey to some of that at Hawaii. So what you're saying is you just got to slice the bread one slice at a time, right? There you go. There you go. Very good. Slice the bread. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Those are some good ideas. I, I, I mean, I love history, um, and I'm lucky to live where I am in Williamsburg. We have a ton of it. Um, but I, I really like the idea of, you know, having a locker dedicated to, a, you know, like a, a time period. That's neat. That, and the fact that you can actually do that because somebody took the time to archive all of it, um, that I would say that's not normal. So that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? So um, that's awesome. That, that, I, I can't imagine the kids won't be into that. Well, or, no, yeah, that or having like the mural where the, you know, you got like, you know, the years of football, you know, I mean, come on, that's, look, high school is about leaving a legacy. That's about all you got. So, you know, I'm sure the kids will be excited and want to leave their legacy up on that wall. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Again, it, that's just, but again, it, it just takes time, you know, and that's the thing I, I came in 
I just have learned, you know, you come in just kind of your hair on fire sometimes. If you got to be careful, you don't, you know, Sherman's march to the sea and just burn everything up as you're going, right? You got you to be mindful of that a little bit. Yeah. Smart about that. And I, again, you know, ho hopefully you're given a long enough chance to do all those things. But that's definitely uh, the, the plan here at Chilla Coffee. Well, I think, you know, we've established that football, you know, is a huge demand inside the house, outside the house. Um, and, you know, we talked about uh, technology earlier, which is a good thing, but also cannot be a good thing. So, um, you know, how are some ways a football coach can, can be mindful to serve their wives and children deliberately? Uh, because I think sometimes we're all guilty of we say we're home watching huddle or we're home on Google Drive, but we're really not home. In other words, we're not present. You follow me? Yeah. Amen. No, definitely. That's where the technology can be a curse. Yeah. No, I would agree. I, I think, you know, I'll admit there have been times that I've just been sitting in the garage on the phone because I know I better not walk into the house on the phone. Like, <laughs> the lights have actually gone out because I closed the garage long enough that the timer <laughs> went off and I'm still on my phone in, in the garage because my wife has told me, you better not come into the house on your phone. Um, right. So, but no, I think, you know, again, um, I, I wish I could tell you that I'm, I'm some perfect coach that, you know, when I get home, I turn everything off and I, I don't ever, you know, turn it back on until they go to bed. But I think it's just an idea of being very mindful as a coach and then as a husband and father that, hey, I need to do when I'm, when I leave the locker room or when I get out of the car, I need to be able to shut this thing down. I need to be present right uh as much as i can no matter how good or bad things are going uh and then and again use your time wisely i think you know and, you know you hope you know your wife you've been able to connect with your wife and spend time with her and maybe she goes to bed or she now is going to kind of do her own thing that's when you kind of open that back up uh but at the same time i would encourage coaches need to get sleep you know i think one of the things that we coaches do a poor job of is we tell our kids they need to get sleep right that they need to be mindful of their nutrition and things like that. But then we don't always do a very good job modeling that. Right. And I used to be one of those guys and I'd have coaches would joke, like, cause I'd be the one sending emails at two in the morning, right. Just cranking out emails and working on things at two in the morning. But like, again, I, I just have learned and I, I do a better job tracking my sleep now to make sure that I'm getting, uh, you know, what I feel is enough hours for me. And so just being mindful of that and, and so knowing, Hey, I'm going to work really hard when my kids go to bed uh, for, my wife is in bed because my wife does like her sleep. So oh, yeah. the very fact that I'm talking to you past 8.30 p.m. is impressive. <laughs> uh, that makes two of us, young lady. Because, um, I'm so, about an hour and a half past my bedtime right now. So, so but again, so I'm going to work really hard for two hours, and boom, I'm going to make sure I go to bed. And then, so it's just a matter of learning that and, um, and then learning how to just, again, use your time wisely, trust your assistant coaches. You know, I, I'm, I'm probably a, a big, almost lean on that too much. Or I'm going to, hey, I'm not going to load over my assistant coaches. I'm going to give them duties and jobs. They need to get their job done, uh, right? And if they don't, then we'll deal with that accordingly. But, you know, they need to be doing that instead of me trying to do everything for them uh, or try to do everything on my own. So, again, you have to – you need to be present, though, right? I mean, your your kids don't care about your record, right? I mean, your wife right. does not care about your record on Unless I guess you got to keep moving a lot, but you know, but you know, they, they want you to be present. They want you to be there and, and uh, be with them. And, and again, unplug. I think that'd be the biggest thing. And if that does mean you need to put your phone somewhere else, that's fine. 
Um, I think the other thing that we've done a good job is we try to bring my family to coaching and the coaching to my family. You heard Ann mentioned that earlier. Um, I want to see my kids come to practice. Ann does an amazing job of maybe emailing me through the day like, hey, we want to stop by practice. What time would be a good time? And so I'll have – and I'll tell her, hey, come uh, during this special teams period where maybe I'm not I'm not really hands-on coaching something. Where I'll say, hey, but we're going to finish up at uh, – you know, 6.30 today, why don't you come around 6.20, right? Maybe, maybe it's going to be a defensive team and I won't be heavily involved. I, you know, I'll be, I'll be, you know, taking care of stuff. But, you know, my son can hang out and stand next to me during that. And so I will – I'll really try to work on that. And then maybe they've even brought a dinner with them and we'll have dinner in, in the locker room afterwards, you know, before they have to go home and so I can catch up on their day and see how things are. And, and my kids – still young enough that they love running around the locker room and they don't complain about the smell too much or anything. <laughs> you know? uh, so that's good. And, and so I think, and then also uh, we have what we call our Hornet hangouts, which on Tuesdays um, during the season, starting around week two or three, we invite uh, different grades over to our house. Um, my wife does an amazing job making pancakes and we have pancakes and sausage and we feed them on Tuesday. So like starting around week two, we'll invite the seniors uh, the next week we'll invite the juniors. The next week we we'll invite the sophomores. The next week we we'll invite the freshmen. It's just a way to hang out, and they get to see us. And you know, they play my son on the Wii, and, and we have a great, great time, and we just interact with them too. So I think we try to do both, which helps out, right? Again, it doesn't make it my family and football. It kind of combines it all into one. And I think that's been really good, and um, I think my wife is grateful for that. I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but I think she really is grateful that. It, Again, I don't try to isolate it completely, but I try to blend some of it together to make us all uh, try to be present in both things. Yeah, I think I'll add I, – I'm, I'm sure we're running over time here. but No, um, you're good. <laughs> okay. One thing I was going to share about, about the time and, and specifically about coming back home is that I think sometimes what's intimidating for a coach is you're like, crap, they're going to need me constantly for the next three hours, right? There's this like intimidating, I'm walking through the door. My wife looks like a crazy mess because she's been dealing with these kids and she's making dinner and it's, it's intimidating, right? Because you've been grinding all day working. If you can make that like first moment of connection really solid, the rest of the night's going to go a whole lot better. If you walk in the phone distract, walk in the house distracted on the phone, she's going to hit you with the frying pan. Like it's not okay, right? Yeah. So we've had this phrase in our family where it's stop and give me twenty. Like that's all I need. Okay. I need twenty. I need twenty minutes to tell you about my day. I need twenty minutes for you to say what are the two things I can take off your plate so you stop having that crazy look in your eye, right? And it could be a million different things. But I don't need him actually all night. I've been functioning just fine all by myself all day. I just have a couple things that I need. So one night it might be, hey, can you help our son with his homework? Or hey, can you knock out getting the sheets on the bed so it's not a mess at 8.30 when we're putting our kids down? I mean, it could be a million different things, but just like check in and figure out like, what are the couple straws you can take off that camel's back so it doesn't break because I mean the honest truth is like coaches wives function alone a lot like we are multitasking very capable women like we are not going to need you to like take over 
and do everything for the rest of the night. We just need you to be present for a little bit, right? And then throughout the night, like honestly, we'll probably disconnect a little bit. Like your kids are gonna wrestle you, but then they're gonna be over you just like they get over me and they're gonna play with their Legos or whatever it happens to be. Like just be present for those like really meaningful five to 10 to 20 minute chunks. You're gonna get your time back. Cause I have to think that same way as a mom. Like when my kids are hanging on me, I have to tell myself, they're going to be gone in about three minutes because they're kids and they're going to get over it. Right. And so I think it's, it's overwhelmed like that time of reconnection every day and at the end of a season is a tough transition. And so if you can make those reconnections really solid, it usually makes the rest of that smooth for everybody. Well, I like that. Stop and give me 20. That's great advice right there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, not 20 push-ups, though. I don't want to no, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 push-ups. <laughs> Although I might feel that way if he comes in on the phone. That's true. I might have to do 20 push-ups. <laughs> well, I know we're getting kind of long-winded, but I got three more. If y'all can hang in there for three more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're good. I think these are good questions coming up, too. So I, I, I got the advice of my wife a little bit, too. So, <laughs> so I got to ask some good questions now. Okay. <laughs> you take them, Tony. I'm going to sit and listen. Yeah, so I, so I, hey, so I'm just telling you these are these are collaborative here, right? <laughs> All right. So we got. Um, was there ever a point in your relationship where you just felt like you were way off balance and should give up coaching? And uh, if so, how did you work through it in your relationship? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, being fired was by far one of the most humbling challenging gut checks that I've ever had. Right? You know, I, I never expected that. I mean, to think that three years earlier, I, I coached in a state championship game and here I am being fired. And you really, it, you really reevaluate Is this coaching thing worth it? Right. Cause that all the junk, you know, that my family had not then been through, through that experience. And you just, gosh, it just, it, it just, tough I mean it I still I, I it's been uh, over a year and I still there are still things that bring that up and I still hate it I still feel sick in my stomach and and I that that would has been terrible um uh our, our kids have gotten sick uh you know both of our kids when they were born had some uh serious health issues we, we thought our daughter was gonna pass away and you know so that you definitely get a perspective shock on is coaching really that important during those things um so, I mean, yes, to answer your question, uh, yes. I definitely feel like there's been some times, um, you know, having to pick up and move our family two and a half hours, um, you know, making that decision. Because uh, we had basically been around mid-Missouri for almost 20 years uh, and move away, it was a challenge. But um, I think for me uh, specifically, I still feel called to coach. Uh, I, I feel called to it and definitely a, a – uh, a ministry opportunity for me, not only again for athletes, but also for coaches, right? Um, and so that's just something I'm very passionate about. And um, and I and it's funny now because my wife has gotten even more involved in the writing stuff. And I literally have coaches who tell me now they're like, "Yeah, my wife, or, you know, my wife reads your wife's blog, and she says that I should be doing this or that all this stuff." And you need to tell your wife to say nicer things. <laughs> I always, I'm always like, you know, now it's just neat to just see, um, 
in, in a very humbling way, just this circle of influence, even through being fired, just how we can reach out and help other coaches and, and help other families through all that. So in the moment when you're in that fire uh, or in, in that furnace, it, it's not always fun. Uh, and uh, it definitely leaves scars. Uh, but I think in the end, um, man, we're coaching for a bigger purpose, right? We're trying to impact kids' lives, trying to make a difference in their lives, much like we've been impacted by our coaches. We're just trying to give back to this whole awesome profession. And I'm just so blessed to have my wife on board with that as well. So I think my answer to that question um, would be yes, asterisk. So let me let me say, expand on that. So early on in the coaching life, just because I was getting used to it, we used the phrase off the bus. Okay, so it's who's the, dude, who's the bus guy? Who's the bus uh, you guy? got a couple different guys. You know, you have John Gordon's a bus guy. Yeah. These guys. You yes. know, Jim Collins, good to great. He talks about getting guys. These the guys and all the inspirational books you guys all read. So anyway, <laughs> and so he's telling me about it, right? And he's talking about it at clinics and whatever. And I'd be like, bro, I am off the bus today. Right? <laughs> like I would just tell him straight up, like, this thing is stressing me out. Like I need you around or whatever. And it was just, and so, but I would offer it with like the opportunity for a conversation rather than that was just shutting him out. So it's how it's presented, right? Like I'm struck. That's the beautiful thing about coaching. Coaches' wives are married to dudes that are fixers, right? Like that is your whole vision is fixing everything that's wrong on a team. You want to fix what's going on in your marriage too. So if I come to it with that perspective, like, babe, I am suffering in X, Y, or Z area. And I know, and I believe that he wants to fix that. Then that leaves a lot of conversation. The couple of things, he's right, that being fired thing was horrific. And even before that, like, just parents that have, have brought some great heartache into our family, right? We've had really difficult parents and really awesome parents everywhere we've been. Um, but honestly, some of our most difficult conversations that we had were, like, during our state championship year. I mean, there were some really hard parents, even when you're doing – when you're winning games, right? It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's bananas. Yeah, you'd think that everything would be hunky-dory, but it's not. And the thing is, I did, when he fired, several times say, do you want to be a bank teller? I feel a lot better about you being a bank teller <laughs> than being a coach anymore, right? Because you'll be 9 to 5, you'll be home, somebody might be mad about their money, but I'm not hearing about it. I'm not having to block people on social media, right? But the honest truth was that as I evaluated it, I think that there are times that families get called out of coaching. I think that absolutely happens. I think there are also, but there are people who leave just when it gets hard. And I only wanted out when it was hard. I didn't want out when it was good. And that was a sign to me that we didn't actually want out. We just had to suffer through this really hard time and learn from it. And the reality was, as we sat there and, you know, tears and, we don't know where we're putting up our Christmas tree the next year and just all those things that come with being fired. I would look at him and he, I mean, he would just look at me and he'd say, I don't know what else I would do. This is where my heart is. And if I've never had to sacrifice my career, now did I get to do everything exactly when I wanted to? No, I had to wait sometimes cause it was in season. I'd take a class another time or whatever. But like I got, to, I've gotten to do what I wanted to do. We got to figure out a way for him to do what he wants to do. And so I, I think that's the, that's the answer there. No, that's awesome. I, I was thinking uh, a few things while you're while you kind of talking and explaining this. 
is a running joke. Like every year I, I tell my wife I want off the bus <laughs> or I want to retire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she just like Tim, you know, coaching is like a calling, you know what I mean? And, and she knows yeah. she wants to support that. But that was one of her questions is um, here lately because I was fired, you know, and, and, and I appreciate Tim so much because he was one of those guys. And, and Matt, too, you know, these guys are so great reaching out and saying, hey, man, listen, I've been there. I know it sucks. You're, you know, uh, only good coaches are coaches that have been fired before. You know what I mean? And just, and just, <laughs> making, me feel, just making me feel better about the situation. But um, my wife was asking, she's like, you know, when, when you do say, you know, you, you want out and I don't, I don't, I encourage you and, and, and don't, um, she encourages me to stay with it. When is it okay for her to let, let me let it go? But, but you kind of answered that for me, I guess there by if you only want out when it's the bad times, you know, that's a good measuring stick there. Uh, I'll, I'll pass that on to her, you know, cause if, if I'm miserable, you know, the whole season, even through the good times, that's, that's probably a, a good um you get what i'm saying you know it's a it's a yeah. good time to pull the plug you know what i mean and i would be curious what matt would have to say but i know for me like even there are the few days leading up before the season starts or before certain things there are definitely times i'm like do i really want to do this anymore like you know and i feel like overall i like to think i've still been somewhat successful we've been successful but yeah there are definitely times i'm like do i really want to do this you know like going into year 20 or whatever or 17 18 whatever it is now I still really want to do this. Like, man, and I know what I'm about to put up with. I know the phone calls I'm going to get most likely that the thing that people are going to say in the stands is it still worth it. And, and again, I, every time it is, but I know even there are times still for me, I'm like, you know, maybe I want to get off the bus too. So I, I'm with you on that, Tony. I totally understand that. Yeah. All right. I got uh, some questions about finances. Y'all ready for that one? Yes. <laughs> this is the the uh, elephant in the room, right? It's yeah. uh, how how do you recommend um, how coaching families deal with finances and uh, and has this changed over the years? All right, so okay, I do not handle the finances. Let me say that because I'm terrible with them. However, I still have opinions <laughs> on our finances. So, um. I think like I mentioned that Friday night wives site, right? I remember there was a, a wife on there. <laughs> she, she said, my husband just put the payment of 4,000 some odd dollars for the huddle account because we hadn't got the PO through at school yet. I'm super hacked off, right? Like she's so mad that her coach has put this on their personal credit card. <laughs> so um, the, Elimination of surprises is super helpful. You just don't know until you've been coaching for a while what those steady expenses are going to be. So you almost treat coaching expenses like you do other times. Like until you're married, you don't really know that like every once in a while the electric bill goes up. This is how often the car normally needs something. This is kind of like what pops up here and there. And so over the years, um, we have started, we, I mean, you know, we have our spreadsheet, we have our budget, we have our whatever. We know in February and March, we're paying for clinics. We know in July, we're picking up a few kids, 
whatever it happens to be, trip, trips to camp or whatever that happens to be, right? Like we know those things now and we talk through them. We know the extra expense of Hungry Horn at night and picking up all the pancake batter or whatever it happens to be. And so there have been some things that he's come to me, hey, I want to buy this supersonic track timer. I don't even know what it was. A I drone. I need a drone. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, like, I, don't even know. I don't even know what it was. And he told me how much it was. And I was like, you sure about that? Right? Like we kind of kicked that one around. A lot of times it's a yes, but I definitely have the freedom to say, hey, I don't know if that's best. Let's think about this. Right? And so I think, I think eliminating the surprises as much as you can, and then just deciding like, what is our philosophy towards kids in me? Because you're going to have them. In some schools, you're going to have a whole lot of them. And some coaching families, for whatever reason, have a ton of money and, so, and have these like extra things they can give out to kids. But if you don't have that, don't feel like you can't still provide for kids make it your mission as a family to find those donors in the community or the whatever, right? Like don't feel like there've been times where I felt like, well, there's nobody else who can help. So we have to, and that was a burden on us and we could have probably gone to someone else. And so just leaving those options open. Now I'll let the guy who does the money answer. No, Ann's answer is great. I think in this, to me, the most important thing I've learned uh, through our 13 years of marriage, five years of dating, it's just we have to communicate. Normally when people have problems with finances or schedules or whatever, it's because there was an assumption made. I assumed I could make that purchase or I assumed I could schedule that event and I didn't ask her. <laughs> and so, or she didn't ask me, right? right so right, right, right. because of that, because of that lack of communication, and all of a sudden, now something's popped up and now there's conflict there. And so to me, I have learned the more we communicate on a Sunday about how the upcoming week's going to go, the more we communicate monthly about our finances, how we're doing financially, the more we talk through those things. Hey, yeah, Anna, I want to remind you, you know, we're going to have a team social at the end of the month, um, and, and we're going to pick up the Domino's pizza for that. You know, and so there's going to be a bill on the credit card for the Domino's pizza. And the more we talk about those things and discuss that, the better it is. If not – then that's normally when people get upset, right? You know, when now all of a sudden we're in, we're in the red. You know, why are we in the red? Well, well, we had all these things. Well, you didn't tell me. Well, I didn't know about that. And, and then it becomes problematic. And so that, in my mind, the more you can communicate ahead of time, uh, the better it's going to be. You know, and I will say, I mean, I'm, just, I'm thinking like from my research, from my training, successful marriages handle their finances in very different ways. Like Tim takes care of everything in our family. A lot of our friends, he's so busy at work, she takes care of all the finances, right? We yeah. also have some friends who they separate out their finances. She takes care of this bill, this bill, this bill. He takes care of this bill, this bill, this bill. They've got a separate account where they put money in for football. And when that money's gone, it's gone. And we don't contribute anymore to sport or whatever it happens to be. Like everybody's got to find their system where people's expectations are being met. and leave room for the freak out because I like at this point I'm staying home. I get paid currently in casseroles for speaking at a church and like $8 for an article on the internet. Like I'm not bringing in any income right now. I used to be like, I worked for a long time and now I'm home. Right. And so I worry cause we're in so much, we have so much less income right now. And so when he tells me, 
hey, I just threw down 500 bucks for a hotel for Glacier, he gives me the opportunity to freak out and say, oh my goodness, and then he walks me through. Hey, this is what's in this account, this is what is in this account, this is what's in this account, we're okay. But he leaves me room to have the conversation and that really helps. Okay, let me let me flip it then. Let, let's say, remember, remember we were, you were saying like in season, you carry more of the burden when yeah. it's the opposite he will, right? Yeah. Let's say coach is in the third round of the playoffs, state championships on the line, you yeah. know what I mean? Timing, right? So you have some kind of an issue with the kids or finances, right? Yeah. Do you ever have an ask for forgiveness, uh, uh, not permission mentality? Like, you know, he's got so much going on. I'm not going to let him know about this going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> what situation do you think it's okay for a wife to do, uh, to have this mindset? And what is it not? That's a, that's a, I, I done threw you a curveball. Well, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that I could. I'm not sure that I could come up with a. <laughs> situation um, and maybe I'm not understanding the, the question correctly here's the thing we I don't know that we actually drop our communication all that much even even when stuff's nutty like even in our state championship run even when he's gone crazy hours like you just have conversation at awkward hours right but you still got to have the conversation it may be even more important then um, yeah I Ugh, I don't know. Maybe, do, you have, do you have thoughts on this? I, if anything, I would actually say it's an inverse relationship, right? Like, or maybe not inverse. It's actually the same. It, so as, as crazy your gifts, communication should go up. Right? Yeah. So that's not inverse. That would be, you know, related. They both are going to increase. So to me, if we know that that's going to be the case, right, where things are just nutty, right? It's the end of the season or big game or whatever. You know, I think you, you just – you want to make sure that you increased even more or talk, communicated even more. Excuse me. So I think that would be the biggest thing. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There has been I, – I can think maybe one time where, hey, I, my wife wasn't around and I made a purchase, but then afterwards I explained it to her. I mean, maybe I've done that before. Um, I, I don't know. But I not, not too much on that, I don't think. Yeah, I think, I think when it comes to making decisions when he's not available, um, even when I – maybe this is a good answer we have worked really hard at learning not to take offense the very first marriage retreat we ever went to the guy said that our greatest gift we could give our marriage is to not take offense so have i absolutely used the wrong card and drained our bank account on accident many many times yes because i am flaky i make i don't know why i can't tell the difference between the blue card and the green card i screw it up all the time right and have I had to make decisions because he wasn't available absolutely was it the decision maybe he would have made no but he trusts me and he's not taking offense because I know I'm he knows I'm not trying to screw up his life like it is not intentional in the same way if he pulls some trick that I'm like what in the world <laughs> that was like a major moron move right yeah. it's not that was dumb and you were trying to break my heart. It was just, that was dumb, I wouldn't have done the same thing, right? But it's not, I'm not taking offense because I, I trust his love for me, I trust his care for me, and so I'm not 
questioning his motives. I'm questioning the decision, just like he would question my decision because we would have made different ones, but we're not questioning the motive behind the decision. Uh, that was a that was a tough question to kind of write because it, it involves so many things. But I started sure. out, you think about Christmas or a birthday, and my wife yeah. would pick up those gifts. And I'm just as surprised as the kids are as they're unwrapping it, you know what I right. mean? <laughs> or she signs Heather and Tony, you know what I mean, on the card, you know what right. I mean? And, oh, uh, yeah, there's a whole lot of that that goes on in our in our family. So that would sure. be on the mild scale, right? But then, like, you know, missing a payment or some big something sure. big came up, you know? Uh, and I, I was busy, just like I was busy there. So it's – yeah. It's, 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 it's tough, but I think that's great advice. Like you said, you know, have forgiveness, you know, um, yeah. that's, that's, that's good advice because it's not intentional. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's real good. Well, Hey, before we jump off here, uh, remember like we talked before, uh, we, we jumped on, how can people get a hold of you? And uh, I know you said Ann had wrote a book. Uh, if you guys want to plug that, um, where they can get some people can get some more information, um, on the kind of things you guys like to talk about and, but yeah, I think, you know, first thing, just uh, social media wise, right? I mean, you have, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter uh, at GDFMFB. You know, people can definitely give me a follow there and um, always willing to communicate with coaches. You know, um, they can email me. I mean, you, you guys can put my email down in the show notes. That's, that's not a big deal because I love helping coaches out. There's so much stuff we can share on Google Drive and things like that. Um, I did have a... Former assistant coach, he actually just finished writing a book uh, about uh, things that we have done uh, at South Callaway in terms of character education. Uh, the name of the book that he just wrote, uh, and uh, my name's listed as an author, even though it's more of kind of the stuff that we have done, and he did most of the writing, so I want to give Steve Wish the, the main credit on that, but the name of the book is More Than Just Ball, uh, Character Education in High School Football. Um, is the name of the book. You can buy that on Amazon. Um, I, I get no royalties from that book or anything, but that, that is a book that, again, an assistant coach, my name is Steve Wish. Uh, uh, he was the one who, who penned most of that. Again, I am I'm listed as an author because I helped edit it, and uh, it's about a lot of the things that uh, we implemented there 10-plus years ago, but uh, that's a pretty neat that he uh, comp kind of put all that together and wrote that about uh, South Callaway and the things that uh, has been going on there for the last 10, 12 years. Uh, and then, Ann, you want to talk about your, all your yeah, social media so stuff? so I worked as a therapist for 14, 15 years until we moved to Chillicothe. I've always wanted to be home, and I kind of had this stirring to write and to speak. Um, so we made the financial decisions we needed to do so that we can pay our bills and I can stay home and, and pursue this dream. So I have an active web, website. Uh, www.annrulo.com and I've got a blog on there. I've got poetry on there. I've got parenting memes on there. I've got our speaking information on there. A uh, whole lot of stuff on there. And then on the business Facebook page, the handle for that is Ann, at Ann, A-N-N-E-M Rulo. Same handle for Instagram at Ann M. Rulo. Um, and then the book I wrote is actually a devotional over the book of Philippians. It's called Cultivating Joy, and it is on um, Amazon. 
and I mentioned Friday Night Wives. I write for them. Lots of other coaches' wives write for them as well. They are an incredible resource for coaches' wives. They have a Facebook page. They have a website. Um, there's a coaches' wives ministry, and that's literally what it's called, that has just started up recently. That's actually a paid membership, uh, but I've heard great things coming out of that. Uh, two other things that are on uh, Facebook are Coach Wife Life and, oh shoot, I can't remember the other one offhand, but there's, there's several pretty active Facebook groups for coaches' wives. Um, and the American Football Coaches' Wives Association, the AFWCA, they have a great conference every year. I have not been to it yet. I really want to go. They're a great resource for uh, coaches' wives. And I always tease my wife and say that, uh, no, no, they don't have anything like that. <laughs> no, they don't allow the wives to go. That's just a, a guy thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you mentioned it too, uh, Tony, that I did do a, uh, a guest uh, presentation for Chief Pigskin as well. Uh, and that, that was something we did um, just a little while ago for them. And I was really honored to go and speak about just coaching and all and being a husband and a father and what that looks like and so that's uh something you got you can go to chief Bigskin's website and watch as well uh so that'd be another thing okay last idea we'll give you we'll let you we'll let you be um we okay during clinic season when y'all disappear to other states and you go learn about stuff and we're left home with the kids every year at least one city i go so we do a coaches wives clinic so the wives go with the coaches, and y'all go and you do your thing, and you know what we do? We hang out in the hotel room, and we sleep, and we go get massages, and we do whatever the heck we want, and then we like go out to dinner at night. It is glorious. And I'm not the only, I used to be, it was like I was a unicorn. All these guys would be looking at me like, why are you here? They're rolling in with their like coolers full of natty light about to be silly right like the whole thing that happens at coaching clinics and now there's more and more wives going because i know there were men that, that hated that they were leaving their brides at home and that is a great connection for us every year because i get two or three days in a hotel in some metropolitan city to do whatever i want and then we hang out at dinner time and it is and we have depending on the the of the school that we've been at sometimes i've got three four five other wives coming with me and so we're out shopping and we're having a good time and we're whatever and so that's a unique way to invest in a in a coaching family yeah, that's been a really good thing okay that's cool well Co uh matt uh you got anything else buddy no nah, it's been great having you guys on really appreciate it yeah matt, thanks for having us matt's over there about to fall asleep because <laughs> i think i was worried man i was falling asleep man i was just Looking at him over there, making sure he stopped drinking his drink. So I was a little worried he was dozing off. I have the uh, remarkable ability to sleep just about anywhere doing anything. But I didn't fall asleep, I swear to God, I didn't. All right. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, taking the time out for us, guys. Really appreciate it. Yes. All right, thank you so much. That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can download our podcasts at Apple iTunes. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and maybe leave us some comments about some things you'd like to hear in future episodes. Also, you can download it on the new Google Podcast uh, application and on Stitcher. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at 
run the triple again that's at run the triple on twitter our mesh point podcast has its own twitter page and that's at the mesh point again on twitter at the mesh point you can also find me on flexbonenation.com i run an option blog there we also have a forum where you can connect with coaches across the country and i've just added a new uh, section entitled podcast where you can download future episodes all right, Tony, I want you to let everybody know how they can get you on social media. All right, guys, go to Three Face Football on Twitter, at Three Face Football, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to follow my account. And um, the cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. And it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and, you know, we'll talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch, uh, catch that every Monday, 8 o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to, to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great, great way to uh, build our networks and, and, and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter. So it's real cool. Also, check out the website, threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear. Like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and, and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well. 